and welcome to another amazing, our 150th episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Billy Holiday. Hello there. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey, guys. And for our 150th episode, we decided, uh, by it being a patron request, that we're going to cover the game GoldenEye for the Nintendo 64, a game that I'm pretty sure everyone is very familiar with, not just on the show, but off the show. Um, But before we get to that... Instead of talking about what we've been playing, I know we didn't do that for any of October because we had other things to talk about, and we have a lot of listener mail. We still do. But also, we didn't really cover this in depth because it wasn't out. Did either of you buy the N64 expansion pack? I um, I did not because, I, you know, those, those Genesis games that offered, um, if I wanted to play them, I think I have them in about five or six collections. And, you know, they didn't really, didn't really trouble themselves to put anything, you know, fresh out as far as Genesis games that you, you can't just gather up anywhere now or, you know, I mean, or that they have on their same fucking console in a collection, neat and tidy. Um, those 64 games, I, it's, it's, it's the fucking, you know, it's, it's the standards. I, it's, you know, nothing, nothing ventured, nothing gained there. Uh, it's the same old 64 games that you assumed they would put out, that you've probably played to death before. Um, I, I, there, there are a lot of great, 64 titles um i don't know if uh, i don't know if they're locked up behind different licenses and and things like that because some of them are um kind of you know sports or or wrestling or you know even movie or show related i i don't know the specifics but they ooh, and i feel safe saying this even after years ago when i had my infamous nintendo switch crow eating um, you know, I I don't talk too much shit about Nintendo anymore, but they oh, they shit the bed on this one. Uh, they they can't even wash these bed sheets. They've got they've got to fucking toss them out. Uh, it, it it's a bad bed shitting for this expansion pack. I it's so bad I haven't gotten it, and I fucking I, I'll buy anything. I I haven't bought it either. I mean, it's like Billy said. I have all of the all of these Genesis games like two or three times over at this point. I. What am I? Could you just give me something else? Like, give me. Yeah. I, I know you've done it before. You had a, a pretty nice virtual console on a couple of consoles. Give me some Turbo Graphics or or some Neo Geo or or something. But just putting Genesis on there again was probably about the laziest thing you could have possibly done. <laughs> do you I, do you think that is? Do you think that is part of the problem that we know how good it could be based on I, past? Yeah, they did it before. I've had a really, I had a lot of stuff on the virtual console. Mm-hmm. I enjoy collecting that stuff, even though I've already got a retro pie. I've already got that on there. It's still fun to play it on on a Nintendo console, an official Nintendo console. And mm-hmm. I just, I, I don't know. I don't want to play these Genesis games anymore. I mean, they're fine, but I've played them to death. And I'm, we'll get into it, but I'm not the biggest Nintendo 64 person. And mm-hmm. they, the, the games they put on there besides Super Mario 64 is it's not for me. I don't really have much nostalgia with them. And even if I did the emulation, I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but the emulation just isn't very good for a lot of these. Uh, it's missing effects. Uh, there's certain, certain games that just have like bad emulation. And it's, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's just, I hate to say that, to do the whole lazy thing in the video game world, like lazy developers or whatever. But this just seems lazy. There's so much more Nintendo could have put out there for the price that they're charging for this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's beyond the forgivable price point now. 
Yeah, if this was maybe an extra 10 bucks or something. Yeah, yeah. But to charge, like, what is it, double? More. Yeah, and and honestly, I mean, with with all the time now that the Super Nintendo and the, the NES library has been out and how little... I, you haven't done a lot to instill faith in me that, that you're going to do much with this besides, you know, I, I mean, what's next? Uh, you could probably fucking, you know, pick what titles are coming next to the 64. It's paint by numbers. They're going to put out the the big titles only um, that if, if you own a 64, you already own or, you know, you've, you've, you've already damn played because they've either been kind of remade over the years or there's a sequel that was kind of a better version. There's not a lot to go to go back for out of the I uh, honestly. Uh, and I know it's it's I don't know if it's a unpopular opinion or not. Besides the obvious, which is Mario 64 and the, the couple of Zelda titles on there. I, I don't think the Nintendo 64 had the best version of, of any of their, you know, kind of flagship games you know I, I i don't go back to mario kart 64 that often i don't go back to that old smash um so i i don't know there's a ton of great 64 games it, it's it's one of my favorite consoles and i mean it's it's the one out of all the old consoles that stays hooked up the most often um yeah they i don't know i don't know what they're thinking with it i i would have liked to have seen a much more robust library i and hell i i'd love the fact of the you know for a while there they is rumored they were going to pass you know like a, a game boy collection which would have been great uh you know uh, yeah it, it's underwhelming and yeah from what you, you touched on from what i heard it's it's not even it doesn't even play that well to boot so yeah i i don't see myself jumping on that one unless they just they really up their game on there if they wanted to do this right for the price that they're charging, they should have just been like, all right, let's be the, let's have the virtual console on here and let's just kind of be like a Netflix of classic games or mm-hmm. something. Like let's, let's have the turbo graphics, Game Boy, Genesis, Neo Geo, all those old consoles that they mm-hmm. put on there before, stick them on there. They don't even have to be complete collection of games. Just have them there. Like that would be worth it. But yeah. for, man, this meager Genesis and, and Nintendo 64 collection 50 bucks, man. That's uh that that is not not what I'm looking for. I did buy it. Um but I'm surprised you didn't buy it, Billy, because the regular uh subscription was $20, right? That gave you the Nintendo library, the Super mm-hmm. Nintendo library, the ability to play stuff online, which on the Switch is barely done in my mm-hmm. world. Um but oh, yeah. still, I was like, you know what? For for $50, I'm not interested. However, along with getting the access to the N64 games and the uh and the Genesis games, which you guys are both right. Both both selections are not good. The Genesis ones, you can play on everything else. There's one game, I believe, that's not on the Genesis Mini, and that's Musha. Musha, M-U-S-H-A. It's a shooter. It's fine. But it's not like I'm paying 50 bucks to, you know, 30 bucks a year to play mm. in Musha. Um, and the N64 games, like you mentioned, Mario 64, uh, Mario Kart 64, Star Fox 64, and Zelda are ones that, even if you don't like them, because why would you play Mario Kart 64 when you can play Mario Kart 8 Deluxe on your Switch? But... You could, I guess, if you love it. I think the battle mode on that's actually better than the battle mode on most other uh, Mario Kart games. But if you have a Nintendo 64, which I did and I've been using to play the game we're going to talk about today, 
I had much rather played on that uh, on a CRT screen where it looks a lot nicer. Uh, yeah, it, the the emulation's not great. Uh, and and again, if you have a, a 64, it's much preferable to play it that way because also you have the controllers. If you're going to multiplayer, you're not going to pay fifty dollars each for four new controllers uh, to no. have the 64 controllers if you can even get them. In you stock. know what? You know what would almost uh, it's. I haven't got back into Animal Crossing again yet because they they bundled. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, they say. bundled that in, and that is honestly, that would be the only reason I would. But I just I haven't I haven't got back into. I, I plan to, but I haven't gotten back into Animal Crossing yet. The the free update they put out was good. You get you know the um, Brewster and and some and, and some other yeah. stuff that's well worth getting. Uh, but the the DLC, which is the Happy Home Island, I didn't think I'd care about. I love it. Absolutely love it. It was $25 on mm. its own. So I figured, okay, mm. I'm, I'm already paying 20 bucks. It's $25 for this DLC. I'm going to buy regardless. So I'm paying $5 a year for this first year, I guess, for access to the N64 and Genesis library. So I didn't feel too bad about it, but I'll tell you right now, if they mm. don't add another like amazing DLC or something else next year, I'm going back down to the regular $20 rate. I mean, it, you said there are a lot of good N64 games. I, I would say there are about six. And, uh, <laughs> and no, two of them are already come on, on now. Two of them I mean, God damn, there, there, there are two wrestling ones alone. Yeah, the wrestling ones would be a good touch. There, there, there are some others that would be okay. Um, I, I Honestly, if they put out the second Castlevania, 64, I'd, I'd lose it, but no one else would care. But I'd be very excited because otherwise I could pay $130 to play it. So, you know, there are games I would like to play, but they're not the ones they're going to put on there. They're going to put out, they've already said some of the ones. The new the Paper Mario will be out on this. Um, yeah, the, surprise, Majora's Mask. Uh, and, you know, some of the ones that you expect to see. They've already listed them as games that are coming. So we'll see what they do with it. I, Nintendo's not, you know, admitted that they made some mistakes and they're going to try to do right. Uh, I think the only way they're going to do right isn't just to add new games to these two selections, but to add a Game Boy Advance, finally, which they should have done from the get-go, since Metroid's literally like all anyone's talking about, Metroid Dread still. Uh, for the Switch, at least. So, you know, put those other older Metroids back out that you can't find anywhere else. Give them that Game Boy Advance library with both of those games, with both Zero Mission and, and Fusion, and everyone would have been happy. But no, they didn't do that. Instead, they went with Genesis, which was kind of a shock, and the same games we've all played over and over again. Uh, and, and N64 games that, aside from the four I mentioned, that also has Mario Tennis, Yoshi's Story, Mario 64, uh, I'm sorry, Dr. Mario 64, uh, Sin and Punishment, which was only originally in Japan, but they did re-release it for the last virtual console on the Wii U, and Winback, a game I had never even heard of till I started playing Hybrid Heaven on Twitch, and someone said I had to play Winback. It was very similar in feel, uh, so I can finally put Winback, I guess. Woo! That wasn't worth $5 mm-hmm. for the year, but I can do it. Uh, but one of the games that's not on there is the game that we're going to spend the rest of the episode talking about, Goldeneye, for the Nintendo 64, a patron request. As mentioned at the start of the show, this is a patron request, and the patron request of this is Willie D, who's on the phone with me right now. So welcome to the show, Willie. Hey, glad to be here. Thank you. Um, you know, normally people pick games that are games they remember fondly from their youth that maybe you haven't heard of, or or sometimes people pick games that they just want us to play because they hate us, but this time you've picked a game that I think everybody knows. You picked GoldenEye for the Nintendo 64, a, a classic regardless of whether or not you like the N64 or first-person shooters. So uh, I guess why did you pick this game specifically? Well, I picked this game mainly because uh, my daughter's actually made me do it. <laughs> um, yeah, we've uh, I've my I, my daughters are nineteen and fourteen, and uh, we've been playing this for a long time. I mean, I've had this you know ever since it came out basically. And uh, as they were when they were younger, I had the Nintendo sixty four hooked up in their room, 
So I would play uh, GoldenEye a lot. And uh, even to this day, you know, uh, Friday, Saturday nights, sometimes we have game nights and we'll play whatever game they want, whether it be Mario Party, whatever. But it always ends up uh, before the night is over, we got to play a round of GoldenEye because, you know, I, I can't get enough of the multiplayer mode. So <laughs> they were like, I couldn't think of a game to pick. And so they were like, Daddy, Daddy, got to do GoldenEye. I was like, oh, yeah, you know what? Yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> what well, and and it worked out perfectly. This is our 150th show uh, of our main shows, so that's a kind of a good landmark episode. This is a good landmark game, and uh, I kind of told you this ahead of time, and I'm still not going to give it away now. But one of us has never really played the single player in GoldenEye, and and is going to have to for this podcast. So that will be interesting to hear the, the take of that individual, who may or may not be me, and we will find out shortly on that. This is fun multiplayer. I think all of us played a lot of it multiplayer. Do you have a do you have a Nintendo Switch currently, and did you get the N64 library? If you did. I do have a Switch. I have not gotten the uh, library yet, and that's just because I just haven't had time. You know, I was busy with work, but I did look over the games that they have, and you know, uh, I I still have my Nintendo 64 hooked up. So it, when I saw the titles that they did release, like oh, I pretty much have most of those, except for uh, I forgot the name of the one game that wasn't released here. It was only released in Japan. I, I forgot the name. Uh, of Sin the and game, Punishment. I, yes, Sin and Punishment. There we go. So I I still am going to grab that just because you know it's I don't if I don't feel like going into the room, I just sit in the living room play the switch and get on some of those games so i will end up getting it eventually um but um i think i just heard of some too about golden eye being um uh was it was banned in germany for a while for whatever reason and i guess they released the ban on it or something so there's supposed to be rumors swirling that it's supposed to be added to that switch library or not but i know there's still a bunch of licensing issues i gotta deal with so i'm not too sure that's gonna happen but i will grab the uh the, the library for sure yeah, I heard the same thing about GoldenEye that they're they're trying to work out the licensing or there's something that that's been, you know, moved out of a out of a block for it coming out. But I'd still be very surprised. Just the license to the James Bond franchise is is tough to manage. So there's a reason it hasn't shown up on a lot of other systems since uh, I guess it was on the 360 for a short minute. But that was pretty much yes. it. So you know, hopefully it shows up. That would be great. I'd like to see some other games come up on there. And I know they said they're going to support it, but based on their uh, lack of support for the Super Nintendo and Nintendo libraries, I don't have a whole lot of faith there. So at least if yeah. you have the original cart, this is or original console, this is still a pretty easy cart to find. Because, I mean, everybody yes. that had an N64 pretty much had this game. Yeah, they did. I mean, you know, and it's, I've spent hours on this game, you know. Uh, I used to, Sometimes I would just hook up the, uh, the second controller just to go into multiplayer by myself just so I could find all the areas where you can hide, like especially in the complex, you know, all the hidden walls you could just jump out of and shoot people. So I would just... that. I, forgot, I think I found that by accident one time. I was just running around and got shot and fell into the wall. I'm like, oh, wait, where am I at? And then, so you just run around and just press yourself against the walls. And I'm like, oh, you can hide in here and hide in here. So I did that for like every map that you could think of to the point where I was just like, oh, okay, you can't do that. I guess it's just the only one that can really do the same. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just, I, I think I hooked this up uh, maybe about two weeks ago. I went to go play the, uh, when we started, when I uh, picked this game to talk, talk about, I was like, well, let me uh, play the, uh, story mode you know because i haven't played it in a while because i always play multiplayer but i hadn't gotten back into the story mode so i'm jumping in there i played through like you know uh i got the easiest i think it's secret agent then it, no it goes agent secret agent then double o agent so i ran through like agent mode and i you know flew through the game i'm like okay so then i jumped into secret agent gets a little harder by the time i got the double o agent i'm like okay i remember why i stopped playing this mode. So, <laughs> you know just <laughs> you know the you get so used to playing like, you know, your Call of Duties and everything now where you can aim and run at the same time. And in this game, it's like, no, 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 no. Stand right here so you can get everybody. You can see everyone. 
shoot everything and they're just jumping around. I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing? What well, and, <laughs> and, and you can't really hide behind any boxes because the boxes explode for whatever reason when they shoot them. I'm like, oh my God. But that does not mean I don't have fun with it though. I still love it. So are you a big like first person shooter guy in general or are you a James Bond fan? I mean what specifically about this game makes it stand out? When this came up, this was basically my first experience with a first person shooter. Like I'd never played it. I wasn't a PC guy. I didn't have one growing up. I had like but I had the Super Nintendo at the time. I think my first experience with any kind of first-person interaction with every, when any video game was uh, the building parts in a Jurassic Park, <laughs> you know, where you're in the <laughs> elevator. <laughs> that was like my, that, that was the first time I've ever played any kind of first-person. And then, you know, I didn't get a PlayStation when it first came out. I jumped straight to the Nintendo 64 when, by the time that dropped. So I think I saw GoldenEye in like a, back when GameStop was called Funko Land and they would have the TVs out and they'd have like the games set up. And so I saw Golden. I'm like, what is this? You know, I said, like, oh, whatever this is, I want it. <laughs> so I, I, think I got it for, uh, I got it for like my uh, birthday, I believe it was. I don't know, 17th birthday or something like that. Either way, I hadn't seen the film either. Like I hadn't seen Golden Eye. Not that I'm not a James Bond fan. It's just that I hadn't seen it. So when I first did play this and I got through the story mode and everything, to me, it was amazing. You know, I'm like, I was like, oh my God, this is like the greatest story I've ever played in a video game before. Even though there was no talking, it didn't matter. I'm just sitting here reading and, you know, seeing, spoiler alert, seeing what happens to Sean Bean in the beginning. Then he comes back at the end and on the cradle. I'm like, oh, you bastard. <laughs> You're still alive. I think you see him again. You see him actually earlier. I forgot what part. I think it's on the, uh, oh God, the, the statue or something like that. I don't know. I can't really exactly remember, but I, I actually remember the game more than I remember the film. I think I've seen the film only once or twice. Uh, well, before we give our thoughts on the game, is there anything you do that you'd like to share with everybody? Uh, no, I don't, I don't really have any, anything much. I mean, I have a friend that Twitch streams uh, by the name of Entity, E-N-T-I-T-E-E. -E -E. Um, you know, every now and then he games, but for the most part, he just uh, does drum and bass and stuff like that. He streams every Friday, Saturday night. I really don't do much. I just go to work, come home, and play old video games. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm there too. I, I tried to Twitch stream for a while, but it, it gets in the way, unfortunately. Uh, or work gets in the way, I guess. Not that it gets in the way of work. I'd much rather Twitch stream, but you gotta do what you gotta do. Uh, well, thank you so much yes. for picking this game. This is gonna be a lot of fun, I think. Uh, you know, even, even though sometimes we don't like to give away what we think of the games, I think it's fairly safe for anyone listening to, to know that if you've liked the N64 at all, you probably like Goldeneye, and now we'll see if we really like it still in 2021. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate your guys' work, man. I really do. I'll go ahead and say it. I fucking love Goldeneye. Um, I, I have a lot of fond memories. As everybody does that grew up during this time with the 64. Uh, if you if you didn't sit down with with three friends and play this thing crowded around what was probably about a 32 inch tv in a fucking four player split screen sweating your ass off playing this game I, I i don't know if you've had a true video game mini experience uh this was definitely one of those that i wasn't initially excited about because i am not a not a james bond fan um i i watched the movies and so like, yeah a, a couple of them are good here and there um, I, I'm just I'm not a big fan. I'm, I haven't even seen all of them. I haven't seen any anything after Pierce Brosnan, I guess. Um, and I haven't seen a fraction of the old ones. So I, it wasn't like I was excited. Oh, yeah, James Bond game coming. Um, but it wasn't until I went over to a friend's house and they got this thing out. And that was it. And I, I was in the store that week to to pick it up for myself 
and and play it through. Um, so I was excited to 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 look into it again because it has been a very long time. Because you know Nintendo won't do anything like fucking put it back out so people can enjoy it again. Um, it, it's too bad they don't have a a you know a, a service that I could pay a, a small pittance for to be able to play it. Um, but no, but the one thing I was really interested in this time was a single player because I have no recollection of it because it was all multiplayer all the time with this thing. We just did a James Bond episode. It was a uh, Game Boy game. What was what was the name of that one? That was just James Bond 007. We did that five episodes yep. ago. So mm-hmm. everything that I said about that game as far as like James Bond still applies here. I'm not like Billy. I'm not the biggest James Bond fan. And uh uh, we we talked on that one as well. It's like it's not because Nintendo or Microsoft can't doesn't want to put this game out as like a yeah. remaster or something. It's the people that own the license, the the James Bond license. They just mm. <clears throat> will not let it happen. There is an actual complete GoldenEye remake that's sitting on the Xbox developers channel right now. And if you have a developers account, you can go download it and play it. I think you can actually, uh, you know, it's out on torrents and stuff like that. So if you've got a a modded Xbox 360, you can download it and, and play a, a really nice remade version of GoldenEye 007. But they will not let them put that out for whatever reason. I, They just don't like money, apparently. So yeah. it really sucks that you just, you know, we can't play that anymore unless you play it. You want to play it on the Nintendo 64. And I I mentioned that I'm not, the, I'm also not the biggest Nintendo 64 fan either. But this one was was another one of those games where I would occasionally see these games in a magazine, you know, a, a 64 game. And I'm like, damn, that that actually looks really good. And I'd have to dust off my my Nintendo 64, go down to Blockbuster when it came out and, and try it out. And this was uh, this was one of those times where it paid off because this is for all. You know, there's a lot of people that don't want to give GoldenEye the amount of credit that it deserves these days. GoldenEye is the game that made first-person shooters on consoles playable, uh, or, or at least palatable in a way that really worked well uh, until Halo came out and changed all of that. This was the first time I played a first-person shooter that wasn't janky, that felt really good, that had really great multiplayer, and it just it just felt solid. It didn't have all that jank that that I had had you know had from first person shooters before or something as simple as Doom. This was mm-hmm. a for realsies 3D first person sh- 3D shooter. Yeah. And it it worked. It worked really well. And me and my cousin played multiplayer in this one a lot, a whole lot to the point where we would get a cardboard box and cut it out so that he could play the bottom part and I could play the yes. top part. Yes. And not have to not have to see each other's screens because there was constant fighting about you know you're oh. looking at my screen you know you're yeah. you're cheating because you're looking at my screen you know where I'm at blah 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 so that yeah, that's dude. what it came down to before uh, fists were thrown so yeah uh, GoldenEye is is up there in, in the nostalgia department yeah I, there were definitely amongst my friends there were some screen lookers and they know who the, if, uh, some of them still listen to, some of them listen to this show and they know who they are. Uh, there, yes, there were some folks that would sneak at glance at your screen. Uh, God, how fucking, I have a lot of nostalgia for that. For, for, I, how big a throwback is it? And how wild of a concept is it now? Uh, that four people gathered 
within inches of each other, huddled around a fucking not a big ass TV back then, at least not in my household, it wasn't, and played this game on a screen that was split four damn ways, you know, all in, all in the comfort of the same home. I, it's th- those were uh, tremendous experiences. Uh, you know, I, I sound I'm in full blown old man mode now. Uh, you just don't get it anymore. Um, but this was, yeah, like Jeremy said, I, I dabbled in a, a little bit of first person shooters, uh, you know, Wolfenstein, Doom, I, I guess the usual at that point in time. Um, and it, it just, you know, you didn't see it on consoles. I, I don't know. Um, cause I, I, there was a long time that I just, I wasn't very interested, um, in first person shooters. So I, you know, I don't know what console offerings there were. I don't think there were any good ones, uh, but this was uh, for me and and I'm sure a lot of people. Uh, this is one that kind of kind of got you excited about it. And and to go back now and look back on it and kind of, you know, not only was it fun game, but you kind of look at the significance of it and, and what it did for consoles in general. And, and you know, not only is it a great game um, and, and, and just a ton of fun and it was a ton of fun uh, without many frills. This is not a pretty game. This is not. Uh, this isn't even a very um, average-looking game. They, they, a lot of this is just big open areas, bland-ass areas. But they still manage to make this thing just incredible fun. And part of that's because it controls so well. And I was worried as shit about that because I I got out the the sixty-four for this, and as I held that controller in my hand, I, I remember thinking I remember this controlling pretty good but holding this controller i have no damn clue how it's going to um but hats off to nintendo on the 64 that controller i while it was a little bit strange they for their big games they found a way to make it work well what they did in this game that i really liked is you could change the control style so if there was Mm -hmm. something you liked Mm -hmm. more their basic controls i actually don't care for the standard controls um, you no, move around that, with the I thumbstick. With that. I always switch to 1.2, which is called Honey, where you use the yellow buttons to kind of strafe around, and you use the thumbstick to look. Much preferable mm-hmm. for me, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, my experience with this game was entirely only multiplayer. I had never played more than the first few minutes yeah. of the first level yeah. uh, up until this podcast, because I didn't have an N64 myself. My brother had the one that was, quote, ours, but I didn't really live at home at this point. <laughs> um, I, I was old enough. I had a job. I was working at, at Electronics Boutique doing doing you know, plugging all the other games. And I, I didn't want it in a 64 because everything we saw for it was like, oh, these are like kid games. I mean, yeah, they're fun kid games. You know, Mario's well-made, even though I don't like it. it, it you know, I had, I played Zelda the whole way through. I borrowed the, the N64 long to play that. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I didn't have this, the system and I was big into first person shooters, but they all had to be PC first person shooters, mouse and keyboard. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, no, I'm not going to play this game with an N64 controllers. That's not the way to play a game like this. And never playing the single player mode on this. I really didn't know how how much they really put a lot of effort into making the N64 uh, or making this game work really well on the N64. Multiplayer worked fine. Um, but like you said, I would like to correct, at least in my opinion, slightly correct what you said with it's not an ugly game. It is for four players. It looks blocky. It's big open areas or a lot of the same texture. But because of that, it runs really smooth with four players. It would be really hard to have each of these levels look as good as they do oh, in yeah, a single it, player game. It runs smooth. It, it, it does. That's that's to be said. Um Single player, I noticed it dropped a little bit um, you know, when you get some explosions going. But yeah, I mean, it does. Uh, it it runs smooth. It, yeah. it doesn't. 
It doesn't run pretty, but it runs very smooth. Well, yes. The single player game, which I think we'll, we'll start talking about the single player game and then kind of end on the multiplayer, even though that's what I think mm. 99% of the people listening are more yeah. familiar with. Uh, the single player game, which I, again, never played till this, is actually a very well-made game. So this game came out in 1997 for the N64. It was developed by Rare, uh, who did uh, the Donkey Kong Country games and a whole bunch of other things on Nintendo. You know, at this point, they were essentially a Nintendo first party, even though they weren't Nintendo. And I, I think everyone kind of thought they were going to own, and Nintendo was going to buy Rare at some point. They didn't. But uh, but mm -hmm. this was, it came out in 1997. It's based on the 1995 movie Goldeneye, which I didn't, I know I've seen it, but I don't remember a thing about it. After getting halfway through this game, I was like, I'm going to watch the movie to see if it has anything to do with this movie. I'm sure it does, and it kind of does. It loosely follows the plot. The, the beginning is kind of the movie, and the last level, is kind of, the last two levels is kind of the movie. And in between, they took scenes that happened in the movie and made levels around it of things that didn't happen in the movie. Uh, for example, the second mm -hmm. whole level, James Bond goes to... Uh, to Severnaya, which is like this ice area, to go and, and infiltrate the bunker. That doesn't happen in the movie. That, they go to that place, but it blows up in the movie. and has He never goes back there. He goes back there in the game, too. Like, they really stretch out using these these scenes from the movie to make levels so James Bond can do stuff. Because otherwise, mm -hmm. you, you have a game where James Bond does, like, four things, and then you watch people <laughs> tell you the story. So I understand why they did it, but uh, it, it loosely follows the game overall. Um, the game is broken up into nine different missions that James Bond is on, and most of those missions are broken up into different pieces, so there's 20 levels in the game. The first 18 are the story of Goldeneye, and then there's two bonus levels at the end. Uh, there are no save spots inside the, inside the, the levels themselves, so once you start, uh, for example, the first level is, is broken out into a dam, the facility, which is one that everyone would know, recognize the map for facility, and the, a plane runway. So it's those three areas, but each is their own separate level. Uh, but once you start that level, there's no save spot. If you die for some reason, if you get to the very end, you haven't done some of the objectives, you have to do the whole set of that level again. Uh, that's mm -hmm. not a big deal uh, for the beginning of the game. You, you, when you start the game, the first couple levels are fairly easy anyway, but also you get to pick your difficulty level for each level you do. So you can either play the, the levels as Agent, Special Agent, or uh, Agent 007. And the Agent missions, for example, and I wrote this down for the first mission because I think it, it explains pretty well the difference in these difficulties. It's not the map's the same, the layouts are the same. Really, the enemy placement is the same. Uh, enemies take more damage in the higher levels and you get a lot less ammunition from your drops. Normally if you mm -hmm. get like, you know, you, you get a pistol it has seven bullets in it or whatever. You kill a guy, you get 30 bullets for that, that pistol on regular agent mode on double O agent mode. You might get six more bullets, right? It's a lot less to lot less bullets and they take more to hit. So you have to really do a lot of well-aimed headshots and such. The, the other thing is the objectives required to complete the missions are more and more as you get higher up. So for the first level as the agent, the standard easiest mission, the only thing you have to do is get to the very end of the level and jump off this platform, right? Mm -hmm. No big deal. And at first, there's a lot to go through to get that platform. But if you don't, you know, if you don't want to, you can just literally just plow through this level, not killing almost anybody, just running and strafing left and right to avoid bullets. Get to the end, jump off, you've eaten the level. Great. On Secret Agent, they add another objective to that. So on your way to this bungee jump you still have to make, you have to neutralize all the alarms. You have to find these alarm systems and, and shoot them with your gun or blow them up with something else so that they can't be used. I think there's four or five of them, and they're some of them are off the the main pathway to this jump. So you got to do some exploration. Again, not too hard. Enemies take a little more damage. You get a few less bullets. But Secret Agent, not too hard either. I didn't have any problems on those first two. Double O Agent, they add two more requirements. Mm -hmm. You have to install a modem and then go to a set of terminals and intercept this data once you put the modem in. And then also destroy all those alarms like before and, you know, get to the end to do the bungee jump. Meanwhile, you have a lot less ammunition and, and the enemies take a lot more damage before they go down. 
even though it's the first level of the game on Double O Agent, I had some real problems. I mean, I probably had to try playing through that five or six times just to even figure out where am I supposed to go to install this modem? Where do I have to go to get the, the data back up from the computers? Because you don't have to hit those places on the earlier modes. And the way that this game works, and this is kind of a new game's build this into the UI so you don't have to do this, or, you know, the menu is much easier to get through. In this game, you have to go to your, you know, push your pause button, it goes to, like, James Bond's watch, and you can see your health and, and you know, some other things on that screen, like the options and stuff. If you hit left and right, you get to see different things. You get to see a map, or you get to see your objectives, or whatever, and then eventually you get to a, a screen that shows your inventory, which you're like, who cares? It's the guns. I can already see them on the main screen. I can hit the A button to switch between my guns, and instead, at the very bottom, any special items you have will show up there. And the only way you can, for example, get the modem to even install is to go to that pause screen, select the modem, then run right where it belongs and use the attack button like you're going to attack and it will install the modem. I didn't figure out for the first three times I tried to get this level how you even install the modem. I just figured I couldn't find where to put it because I, I was like, yeah, okay, I'm right where I think the modem goes. It's a pretty obvious like computer screen looking thing on the side of a building. But I couldn't, I, could, I didn't know I had to go to my menu, scroll all the way down and find that modem to attach. And every level in the game that becomes more difficult, it was all situations like that. I couldn't figure out what item to use mm -hmm. where, or in some cases, even like where on the level am I supposed to do this thing I'm supposed to do? Uh, it, mm -hmm. It's not horribly organized by any means, but um, the map in this game, there really isn't a very good mini-map, I guess. Most games in this time would have mini-maps with like glowing objectives to <laughs> make it easier for you. Uh, this yeah, doesn't do yeah. that. You got to kind of figure it out as you go. And, uh, and that became a problem for me, especially in the later levels. I love games that actually do this with difficulty. And there's, there's sadly not too many. No. Besides just making, you know, the game more difficult to play, adding objectives and stuff actually makes me want to, to try it. Mm -hmm. I was never very good at the, the GoldenEye single-player experience. I don't think I made it to... I think the furthest I ever made it was the, the jungle. Um, I yeah. did enjoy what I played, though. And and it it's it's a fun experience, you know. It's not like a, a stealthy kind of game or anything. You can play it like you're stealthy because you know you have your silencer and everything like that. But it's not really technically a stealth game. It's just you know a fun slow paced shooter. And I think that's one thing that actually works for it is that it's a it's slower paced. It's not very fast at all. Um, and it's the uh, you know just being able to aim around and and how it locks on. It's it's fairly simple. But those objectives. I, I, you know, I, they're pretty creative for what you do. And I always felt like it was something that James Bond would be doing in those levels. It's just, it's not, they're not spelled out very, very well at all, especially with mm. those, those later difficulty ones. It's, I, I don't know. I, I kind of got tired of looking around, figuring out what I'm trying to do because a lot of those levels are very maze-like uh, towards when you start getting towards the end of the game. So it's, uh, I don't know. I, I kind of just enjoyed playing on the, on the basic difficulty setting and, and not really, you know, just kind of having fun, just stupid fun for what it is. And that, that's me too. Um, that's that's kind of kind of where the strengths of this game are for me. I just I have a lot more fun just kind of roaming around, just you know, just shooting it out with the enemies. Um, yeah, that that high difficulty, and I do I do appreciate when when difficulty is is done like that. I mean, it gives you kind of. You know, not just more difficulty in in terms of the strength of the enemies or damage or anything like that, but it, it kind of changes the game up a little bit. So it gives you a reason to to go back um, if if you wanted to. But I don't want to um, because yeah, it, it is a bit much, and I was having difficulty making it, you know, anywhere at all on that 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 007, uh level. Um, 
whereas I was enjoying the game on that that kind of basic level, just fine. So I I went by the whole if it ain't broke don't fix it. I prefer going through the game, and it does. I mean, it, it's not like it's easy at that point. Um, you know, it, it still throws some challenge your way. But uh, this is definitely one of those thing, games that can get frustrating pretty quick. And and part of that is the the level design, like Jeremy was talking about. And a lot of the levels on here look very much the same throughout. Uh, not to say each level looks the same, but once you get on a level, I, I, there's there aren't a lot of landmarks. Um, it, there are a lot of just kind of empty stretches and, and hallways and things like that. Um, so I did, I found it, a kind of extra confusing from time to time. Um, so definitely ain't no shame in my fucking basic difficulty game when it comes to this one. But I, I was, as I was playing through it, uh, really, really having a blast with it. I'm going to ask this, like, did you guys like, did... I don't know how to put this without sounding like I'm a psychopath, but did you just like, did you just like killing people in this game? Like they, they yes. die real good. They, they got, it, Oh my good... God. <laughs> it's, it's so, uh, the, the, yeah, it's so enjoyable because they have pretty good death animations and they're all like so incredibly clueless too. And, and they just, they, they almost line themselves up to be mowed down every now and then. I, there are a lot of things on here that just make, mowing these enemies down so enjoyable and, and i don't know what it is and it's it's amazing it was in such an early title because i don't think any other game has quite reproduced it um like this i don't know if it's kind of the physics I, there's a little bit of a there's kind of a ragdoll thing going on but at the same time they they feel like they have a, a weight to them also i don't know what it is but no um you know if if you're uh you know a if you've gone crazy, I, you've at least taken me with you. Because, yeah, I, I, it was a ton of fun mowing down enemies on this one. Yeah, the AI is not great. It's not terrible. But, you know, this is the same time when you're talking about Doom or Wolfenstein where the enemy, you, you know, AI was run at you, right? Firing or doing whatever attack mm -hmm. was. In this game, mm -hmm. they're slightly smarter than that. They will, you know, if they can open doors and stuff to come in, if they hear sounds, if you're, if you're using a silenced pistol and you take out a guy that no one's facing, no one changes. No one does anything else. But if you use a loud gun or if you're using, you know, kill a guy that someone's looking at or whatever, then they get alerted. In some cases, they run over to alarms that sets off alarms that causes other guys to run over. Um, but otherwise, like if you're in the facility, for example, which is the second level of the game, um, you can get it so that you have a bunch of guys coming out of one door. And you'll just stand there and fire blindly at the door, you know? oh. and especially in the earlier levels where you have a lot of ammo. And you'll take out six or seven guys, and they all do have, not all different death animations, but there's enough different death animations that change depending on where you shot them as well. So if you shoot yeah. people in the head, they die differently than if you shot someone in the body a bunch of times. A lot of them do this thing where they're like, it looks like they grab their neck and flail around on the ground and fall over. I mean, like yes. it's, it's cartoonishly violent. It's not extremely bloody and graphic, but it's just this cartoonishly violent deaths, which is what makes it fun. And they're slow mm -hmm. deaths. Some of them, it's like, you'll kill them, and then there'll be like a good four-second death animation, <laughs> which is the big change for most games, where guys either explode or fall over dead or just like scream or whatever. Not in this game. Like four-second death animation where a guy grabs his throat, slowly falls to the ground. Uh, you know, now the, the other thing with that, which I thought was kind of cool, but also very frustrating in the later levels is while they're doing that death animation, you can still shoot them 
and it will not go through them and hit the guys behind them. So if you are kind of tunneling guys through a, you know, funneling guys through a door so you can mow a bunch of them down, you, if a guy starts a four-second death animation, you're like, crap, I have to wait for somebody to go around him, or but they can fire right through him and hit you. So you got to be very careful on that. Uh, it is very easy to kind of get yourself also trapped in a corner or something where guys will be able to shoot at you, uh, especially on the 007 difficulty uh, there, there were plenty of parts even in the first level where if i didn't take out guys slowly and take my time uh, five or six guys will take you out before you can do anything about it on those harder difficulties mm. where on the on the earlier levels or on the on agent on the earlier levels i felt like you could play run and gun and and feel pretty confident you're going to get through it um did either of you finish the 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 storyline of the game there are some extra levels afterwards if you earn them but the the core of the game does end in cuba if you mentioned you got to the jungle jeremy that's the last set of levels there's four there um you go from the jungle to the control area the control area is in my opinion the hardest level of the game i spent a full day in the control section Mm. Uh, on just the lowest difficulty level, and I don't know if I could do it again, because it has, uh, along with an escort section, which is always the worst, it has a part yeah. where you have to guard somebody while they're getting attacked, and so you have, like, oh, like not oh, just yeah. escort, but they're standing there typing on a computer, and you have to take out mm-hmm. all these guys that run in the room different directions. Some of them burst out windows to attack, and if she gets hit a few times, she basically starts yeah. screaming your name and then dies and throws the whole damn level over again. Um, mm-hmm. And then you go from there to the caverns, and then the, the cradle, which is what happens in the movie. They go on the the giant antenna in the middle of the jungle, and, and you fight you fight out with Alec. That's how the game ends. Now, if you've gotten through mm-hmm. all the levels of the game with secret agent uh, status being completed, you do earn the Aztec level, and if you get through all the levels of the game, including that, on 007, then you get to play the Egypt level. I have not played either. Oh, uh, somebody on my cart previously did earn the Aztec level, so I got to check it out, but I didn't earn it, and uh, they did not earn Egyptian. I, I'm willing to bet all of us know somebody who played through most of these levels on at least secret agent, because the other thing you get now that we've talked about the main game, for the most part, and we can go back to if people want to say something else, but I think we've kind of covered the main game fairly well, is that as you play through the main game, that's how you unlock new levels, new weapon selections, new characters to play yeah. as, all the extra stuff for the multiplayer. So somebody on each cart like played through this, super, this first the, the single-player mission, did all this stuff, and then everyone's like, great, thanks for doing that. Now we can play the game we want to play, the multiplayer, mm-hmm. which we already talked about at the beginning, mm-hmm. but I think is the core of what makes this game stand out among every other uh, you know, 64-bit and 32-bit multiplayer uh, first-person shooter is the multiplayer in this game is superb, and that's why I played. You know, the single player. It was always you know to to unlock more stuff or whatever. But it always you know I never beat it. I got to that jungle stage, and anytime that we would be playing single player, it would always boil down to like, hey, this is cool, but we could be playing multiplayer right now, and that's that's where we always ended up back was multiplayer. So yeah, yeah, multiplayer is the reason for me to play any sort of Goldeneye. Yeah, um, that that was it for me too, and I mean, I I think most people, um, what would go back and and tell you that? I mean, that's that's sort of what what you remember. Nobody really talks about. Oh man, that fucking that multiplayer. I mean, that single player Goldeneye. Ooh, that was hot shit. No, I mean it, it's 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 overshadowed by oh my god, just how solid this this multiplayer was and it was just a, a ton of fun and and i dare wait i dare say it's not because you know you know we didn't have anything else like that on on console back then i it's still um as well as that game controls as fun as it is to play would, would still be a blast uh i i wasn't able to wrangle anybody up for i i work out of town i'm in the middle of fucking nowhere i wasn't able to wrangle anybody up for multiplayer but i have enough you know i have enough solid memories of that um 
but no, I, I I feel like it's something that still now would would be a ton of fun. And I I think the the key to it. And back then it was just because you know that's that's about all they could do. But now I think that for me the appeal would be that it's it's a very simplistic take on just you know kind of the first person shooter multiplayer. There are, there are no frills in this thing. I, it's as basic as the day is long. And that who knew that 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 was the ideal setting for a multiplayer game. Uh, There aren't a lot of gimmicks to hide behind. Uh, You know, there aren't a lot of real exploit besides, you know, fucker picks odd job. Um, Otherwise, there aren't there aren't a lot of kind of exploits. I mean, it's you and your gun and and good fucking luck. And I I felt like it was a a really even at least amongst me and my friends. Kind of just a it's, a it's a really even playing field on this game. Well, the multiplayer lets you pick from uh, eight different levels that are based on levels you've already played in the single player, assuming you played it. If not, they're based on scenes from the movie. The levels are, are you know, you said no frills. I think that's especially for the level design. That's exactly right. The levels yeah. are uh, arenas. They're all areas where there's no place you can normally get cornered too hard. I mean, you know, there's corners mm-hmm. in the room technically, but like everything's a big like a big circle you can go you know all these maps have many different entrances and exits between rooms that things connect each other through tunnels you might not have seen before like it's all it the levels are put together very well for multiplayer it's a very good arena style feel to each level um some better Mm -hmm. than others uh there there were some that i think feel too large or too dark like the caverns level uh, i think was always one we 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 picked but it was never as much fun because it's so dark that was sometimes really hard to tell where you were Mm -hmm. but but things like the the facility like i keep mentioning the uh the, even the Egyptian level, I didn't, I didn't hate, even though that's a big open area because that oh, had a lot right. of neat level change to it, like up, uh, you know, a vertical level change. So there was like three layers on that one. I mean, the the maps are made very well for for deathmatch, and the level, the, yeah. the way that they're they're. Uh, the way they break out for multiplayer, how you get weapons uh, in the level is there's these ammo boxes you can find and they have weapons normally near them. Or you can kill another person and take the weapon they had when you run over them. Uh, but generally, you everyone starts with like a basic pistol or whatever the basic weapon is for that weapon selection, which we'll get to in a second. And then you have to find the other weapons in the level. They don't change where they are every time if you're looking for the magnum, it's in the same exact spot. So everyone, once you know the levels, which is a lot of fun when you're playing this for long periods of time, everyone remembers where the best yeah. weapons spawn. So then it's a matter of like racing to get to that area. Area or, uh, you know, in the case of me, uh, which we'll, we'll talk about the different weapon types, uh, set the explosives on only those good items. Uh, when you so along with picking out the weapons you want or the along with picking out maps that you want to play it on, you get to pick characters. Once you've beaten the game once, you unlock all these different characters from all these different James Bond movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the most part, they're all kind of the same. They don't have different like you know, health bars or, you know, this guy doesn't always have a better gun. They're all just, you know, they just look different. The only difference is like Billy kind of mentioned earlier, uh, odd job is shorter than the rest, meaning it, it's an unfair advantage uh, to get, to give someone who's smaller than every other character in the game. Um, you also get to pick which weapon set you want to use. So when you start, I think the default is pistols, and then you can change which weapons they are. You can have some that are mm-hmm. only, you know, explosives with a few pistols or only machine guns or only uh, like laser weapons that have some regular guns and then laser guns are like the best ones. I always liked the settings like pistols or golden gun where it was more about yeah. there's only a handful of weapons, but they all do a fair amount of damage. Uh, or I liked full explosives. If I could do timed, mi- not time mines, but uh, remote mines or proximity mines, like that was my level set for me that way you could just make traps everywhere that was much more fun especially because yes 
you're not really supposed to peek at everyone's screen, but you're playing a four-player game where you're all on the same screen. You're gonna te- you're gonna <laughs> peek on the screen. At the very least, you can tell where someone is based on like, okay, that was green, then right over there. So I know they're in this other section of the tunnel. I'll blow up my my you know remote mines that I have set on the blue side of the tunnel or whatever. Like it, it, it ended up being where you just kind of, especially on those levels, you really did watch everyone's screen. I, I like how you know Jeremy mentioned he had a he took a cardboard box and taped it up so they could yeah. only see the half of the screen. The way that I played this game the most, like we had it at home and I played it a little bit with my brother, but two player, this was okay. But playing it four player was the way to go. We would go to mm. uh, my friend Josh's house and he would have two TVs set up, you know, back to back. So you couldn't see the other screen. We put cardboard across the bottom of one, cardboard across the top of the other, <laughs> one in a 64 in the middle with uh, with splitters off on all the AV cables so that each screen had the full game, but you couldn't see the other person's screen whatsoever. So it was top two were a team, bottom two was a team. And we would play that way for, I mean, literally we'd go to their, like, his house on like a Friday night, order food, we'd hang out there all day Saturday and play, stay Saturday night, <laughs> play till Sunday morning, and then swear yeah. we are going to talk to each other for two weeks. And yet we did it every single weekend. Like, it was the most fun to play this game set up like that, where we could... Uh, yes, there are better first-person shooters, especially if you're talking on PC. And yes, there were other four-player games I would have rather played on the... on the, You know, on the N64. I, I mean, I love Mario Kart 64 at the time. I would have loved to play some of that. But then at the same time, I was like, no. This, in this setting with this group of people, was the most fun. And, and for me, it was always like... I sucked at this game. I was never very good at it uh, multiplayer wise. If it was something that took a lot of precision, because it was uh, this controller. I still I'm used to it now, but at the time I really wasn't good using this controller for this kind of game. So when it went to the explosives, that was where I shined every time. It's like, oh, I'm just cheap, but I'll take it every time. I loved it. Rocket launchers, grenade launchers, sure, anything that explodes. My my set of missions. Um, mm-hmm. When you guys play, they let you change what the objective is. Sometimes you can make it. You can set it so it can be number of kills for a person or a team. You can set it so that it's uh, amount of time or unlimited. I've never seen anyone play unlimited. That seems insane. I don't know why you'd play a game that has no end like this. You, for multiplayer deathmatch, you want an ending. But did you play normally time or did you play kill like number of kills? We always did number of kills. Uh, it was man, number of kills for me. Yeah, it was me. Me too. I I, I don't know. It was, I guess it was more definitive. Um, you know, kind of. You didn't you, you didn't want to play to time. You you wanted to fucking. You wanted you know rack up the most kills on there you wanted to deplete the other guy yeah I, I number of kills was always our main thing um but yeah I, it's and you were touching on you know kind of how customizable it is and i i dare say it's got a lot more options than than a handful of the multiplayer games i i, I play nowadays as far as being able to really fine-tune it to the kind of game you want it to be i i think that was what made it special like it was at at its core, it's a very basic first-person shooter. I mean, that was enough back in the day. But mm-hmm. you could make this game play just about any way you wanted. And, yeah. you know, whatever mood set you... I remember, uh, not me, but, like, my friends, like, they would have, like, you know, tournaments or something with special rules and stuff mm-hmm. and, and see mm-hmm. who can... And it was just fun stuff like that. And, man, like, listening to us talk about this, like, if anybody is under the age of, like, 20 listening to this probably like god damn y'all dumb but i mean we, <laughs> this is just what we had to work with back in the day yeah. i mean to set the stage the only other first person shooter uh that had come out that was worth its salt you know as far as technically as technically proficient was turok for the nintendo 64 Whew. and i mean besides that it was stuff on the playstation like you know very basic stuff like doom 
And Doom had Link play if you were lucky enough to had to have two PlayStations and two TVs, and you know that that was pretty crazy. But you know that wasn't viable for most people. This was mm. something that a lot of people had. They had a Nintendo 64. They had GoldenEye, either bought or rented, and they had a few controllers laying around, and that worked. It was a good time. It was a good night to go over to your friend's house, order some pizza, and sit around just fucking around with, with GoldenEye and screaming at each other. It was, mm-hmm. I think that's why most people remember it, because that's just what it was. <laughs> it did a really good job of being that game. I don't often talk about playing games with my wife, because generally she doesn't play most of the games we're going to talk about in the show. However, mm-hmm. I had the N64 hooked up to start playing this. She came over from work the other day. She's like, what's that? I'm like, that's N64. I'm playing GoldenEye. She's like, Oh, no, I know what it is. Why do you have it set up? And I was like, oh, we're going to cover it for the podcast or whatever. And she's like, yeah, well, you know I'm good at this, right? I'm like, sure you are. Whatever. Let's let's go ahead. If you want to play it, we'll play it. And she did beat me, I'd say, easily 50% of the time. If it was a yeah. weapon that took precision, like pistols or or uh, some of the automatic weapons where she could he- headshot me, I lost most of the time. But if I could be cheap, 100% me. And she was like, oh, you're that guy. Like, yep, <laughs> yep you mm-hmm. married that guy. The Proxmines guy. That's me. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's the kind of game that, that if you if you don't play games anymore, and you play games, you know, if you're a, around our age group and you play games like when you're in college or late high school or whatever, this is one I guarantee if you're at someone's house and they hook it up, you're like, oh, shit, let's do this. It's same yeah, with yeah. Uh, Super Bomberman for the, the Super Nintendo or, no. um, or yeah, the original Mario Kart. Like any game that was big at the Mario Kart 64 and Star Fox 64, as much as I didn't care for them at the time, the four player multiplayer on them play all the time. Still games I play today. And Goldeneye, I think, is one that's aged better than the previous two I just mentioned. I mean, it's one of those, it's, you know, I, I, I think first person games, first person shooters, especially multiplayer are so, I, I, I think a lot of people consider them that, that aren't, you know, everyday gamers, very inaccessible and, and they are, I mean, they I, fucking, I mean, I'm playing that new call of duty right now and I've been playing duty for years and, and God, it's, it's fucking daunting. And it, I mean, and, and obviously it's not the friendliest, you know, player base around either. Uh, but there was just something uh, about the simplicity of you just sat around, you played this with friends. Um, it's it's easy to pick up. Um, you know, I, you get the controls down and you can be set loose with it. And, uh, and like I said before, it's one of those where just about anybody can, you know, may, maybe not dominate, but they can have a highlight or two as they play along. And then, you know. Even a new player can get the jump on a uh, on a more seasoned one in a game like this. I, I just think it has that 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 charm and that level of accessibility that yeah, even even people I knew back then that didn't play video games would sit down and play Goldeneye with us. You just get caught up in uh, you walk into a room with four you know four guys fucking screaming at each other and you know and talking shit to each other. And, and you're going to you're going to know what's going on, and, and you might want to take part. Um, it's 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 one of those. It had a very, uh, and I'm glad you brought that up with your wife because looking back, it was one of those where you know even our non game playing friends would, would jump in for for a few rounds of Goldeneye. Uh, you know, so it's I, it's one of those. It, it crossed a lot of uh, a lot of thresholds, and and I think was was appealing to a, a really wide audience. It's uh, it was perfect for what it was, and it's just unfortunate that Perfect Dark was never able to, to or you know yeah. they weren't able to make yeah. a, a James Bond sequel, uh, you know, like they wanted to, so they had to do their their own thing with Perfect Dark, and uh, that was fine, but it it never really reached the highs of what you no. know, Gold Die was, and also that came out way late in the you know 
the 64's lifetime, and I it just wasn't the same. It wasn't the same. GoldenEye is is perfect for what it is, and for the exact time it came out, it was just one of those things that if you if you were there and you played it, you knew what it was all about. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to us talk about it now and you don't know, you're probably you just have no clue. You're just like, why would anyone want to? This sounds stupid. But yeah, uh, man, GoldenEye was was really 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 something for when it came out. And it does still hold up if you can get a chance to play, you know, but again, like you mentioned, you can only yeah, play it with yeah. an N64 uh, in the original cart. It has not been re-released for anything because of the licensing issue. Um, mm-hmm. Whoever owns the James Bond licenses, and, and I guess at this point, Rare is owned by Microsoft, or whoever has owned these throughout time, they have not got an agreement to put it out on anything else. So the closest you're going to get, again, uh, Jeremy mentioned Perfect Dark. That's kind of a spiritual sequel to this. It's what Rare went mm-hmm. on to do next on the N64 that was like this. It's not bad, but it's not this. Um and then in 2010, there's a Wii reimagining of GoldenEye called GoldenEye 007. It is not by Rare. It's not this game. It's basically uh, as close as you can get to remaking this game without just making this game again. It's it's apparently not bad. I have not played it myself, uh, but I brought it up to some people who who you know I thought would be like, yeah, yeah, no, it was awful. And they said it's actually not terrible, but I, I have not played it, and we're not covering that version of GoldenEye anyway today. Uh, and again, um, you know, this this, this is one where... There's been some recent talk. I think we talked about it last episode that they've done some things with with uh, the copyright parts to maybe see this show up on the N64 library on mm. the Switch. I mean, that would be great. I don't expect it to happen. But if it did, maybe that's one thing they could add that would really help out because at least on the Switch, I do have four controllers and I can play with four people at one time in one room mm-hmm. and it might be a lot of fun and I would love to see that happen. So that's our nostalgic thoughts on Goldeneye for the N64. Again, we all remember fondly, but actually it does hold up very well today if you can find a way to play it. But now's the part on the show. And this is our 150th show, so we're going to have a ton to do. We've got a whole bunch of mail to go through. We're going to see how many we get through before we lose our minds uh, in the the listener mail segment. So if you like this show and you have a question for us, you can send us a question via our our Twitter account or on our our Facebook page, you probably won't get an answer because we don't check those very often. But if you go to retrovania.net, go all the way down to the very bottom, past all the links to our social media, or you'll see a form. You can put any question you want in. It comes to us, and Jeremy will read it on the show, and we'll answer it like we're going to do right now. That's right. And the first letter we've got going on here is actually uh, for Jeremy. I've read this to him already, but I just wanted to throw this out on the the show. I'm not going to read this entire thing. This Mm. is from Jeremy Pease on Jeremy G., and he's wanting to tell us about a mic check, please. I don't know if I'm going deaf or if you all are speaking softly into your microphones, but if I'm not in the quite, but if I'm not in the quietest of rooms, you all ain't coming in too clear. I enjoy listening to Retrovaniacs on my morning commute, but once I hit the street and subway, things get difficult to hear. Hell, I like to vacuum every now and then with you three on, and that as well is not so good. Uh, basically, he's wanting to let us know that we don't have very good levels um so what's your your goddamn problem jeremy uh yeah what the fuck i I hear you know uh, rumor is that you're jamming yourself way up volume wise and you're you're cutting the two of us down so that is that is actually what he says in he says one thing i've noticed and i don't want to set anything off here Mm -hmm. oh well it's it's you know you can't set off what's already been fucking set 
is that one of the Jeremy's, the one with the band, has got the Ooh. higher volume levels going on, I believe. I don't know well, you whether know this those, is because... <laughs> you know how those fucking band guys are. I know, they want to be loud. I don't know whether this is because he's got a better mic than the other two, or because he's secretly setting the volume levels to create a subliminal <laughs> hierarchy. But I wanted to bring this to everyone's attention. Uh, it's not intentional. We have changed how we record this show uh, overall. We used to record on Skype. Now we record on Discord. We tried to record on, I think, Google Hangouts one time to try to figure out the best way to do this. We're currently on Discord, and uh, every time they make an update to Discord, it seems to yeah. change my volume yeah. settings. And and I don't notice it till I'm going back and editing the show. Uh, also, I am going directly into the soundboard and then into the computer where uh, Jeremy and Billy live on other sides of the country for me. So they're coming in through Discord and then into the board. So... I think if you listen to our last bonus show or this show, I think the sound is better. Uh, if it's not, let us know. I did check with the people over on our Discord uh, to see, and they said, yeah, you guys are a little quieter, and there are sometimes the, the last couple shows, uh, the volume's been all over the place, so I'm paying more attention to it. Hopefully this show sounded better. Uh, it, it's just kind of a uh, something I have to pay attention to. Anytime I go on a Discord and they make any update, go back, check mm -hmm. my audio settings before we record a whole show uh, so I don't have to spend two and a half days editing half an hour of content. Yeah. I mean, and the truth is that um, yeah, Jeremy Gregory has been speaking. He's been trying out a new kind of lower, like more sultry speaking voice. So I, I don't know how that's going. <laughs> it's coming off really quiet. You know, it's supposed to have a little little more soul to it. It's it's my I'm in a lot of pain voice and I can't really get too loud. <laughs> thanks to a blown out ass hip and sitting in this hard ass chair. Um, no, actually, it, it, there's other things that are out of our control. If you listen to this show through different podcast apps like Spotify or, or whatever, Stitcher, they have their own uh, equalizer that they put over the show that you actually mm. can't change. And that does make a difference. We have different people saying that we are, quieter on, we are more quiet on Spotify yeah, than we are yeah. this. Um, I listen to it on iTunes. Uh, and if I'm out in the car, it, there are definitely times where I can see one of us is a little bit louder, but it's never anything too bad. But there, you know, it really just depends on where you're listening to it at uh, as well. So we will try to to check this out and, and get it straightened. But man, I don't know if you guys have done this or had to deal with it, but audio sucks, man. It's hard to deal with. It's really hard yeah. to get right. And uh, thankfully, Jeremy has this magical thing called a soundboard and and knowledge as to actually how to, to do levels and things like that. Because if it was just me and Billy doing this, oh uh, no, one of it would sound like we were just screaming through a tin can. Yeah, uh, and what, I, it yeah. would sound like we it would sound like we were playing through a Genesis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, I guarantee you guys wouldn't say wouldn't say that sounds very good. So our, our uh, only available on X Band podcast. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll we'll get that straightened out in in the future. Uh, this show anyway, should thanks. sound better. If it doesn't, please let us know. Yeah, uh, if, thanks for letting us know. Next question comes in from Mark, and he's wanting to know about remakes. Hey guys, it seems nowadays every type of media is getting a remaster or a remake. You all have been doing this podcast for quite a few years now, and if you were going to do a remake of one of your older episodes, which podcast episode? Would you want to remake and why? This is one of the best fucking questions we've ever had. You know, the thing is, I um, like we recently, you know, we we hit that uh, we we spoke about it. We've hit the old uh, required listener count on the old Patreon, um, to where we're putting out we're putting out three bonus shows now a month. 
Um, no better time than right now to jump on that Patreon uh, to, to listen. Uh, one of the best things you can do one of the, for people that like Easter eggs or listen to how many cans you can hear crack open during a fishing episode. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, but uh, I, and I had thought about suggesting to the guys that we should do some revisited episodes every now and then. And, you know, kind of go back, replay a game again that maybe, you know, maybe, maybe got some strong reactions. And, you know, we're, 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 you know, for, depending on the episode, we're, we're five years older now. You know, we, we've taken several trips around the sun at this point and, uh, and to see what we think. But I, I, you know, two of the ones that come to mind, um, if we went back, uh, just because of the hilarity that would ensue and the fact that I think we both are so dug in on our opinions um, that it would just be more volatile than last time. I'd like to go back. I would play General Chaos again um, just to just to speak on it one more time. Uh, I, I think there were a lot of insults I had left about that game that, that didn't make it. Uh, you know, a lot of more hurtful things I could have said to Jeremy in general. Um, that and and on the opposite spectrum, I'd like to go back and play Mansion of Hidden Souls again. Just you know, so these guys could come no. back around. No, these guys could come back game. around to my uh, to seeing things right. I think enough times passed that uh, you know, I, I I think they would warm up to it at that point. I'm looking through no. the original episodes. Just to see. I mean, obviously, our first episode was on Axley, and it sounds awful. I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, Mixing-wise, we really weren't sure exactly how to make a good show at that point. It's actually not as bad as I remember it being, but I still would love to redo it. Um, I also was thinking of General Chaos because I don't think I gave that game a fair chance, despite that I don't remember, you know, I I never remember liking it, but it was always one of those games a lot of people swear by. (laughs) Um, And then, as much as I I don't know why I'm doing this again, and, and... it may show up as a bonus episode. We haven't really decided how we're going to handle this. Uh, I'm currently playing through Final Fantasy VIII again, oh uh, but with people on our Discord, we're all playing for the same checkpoints, and uh, we're almost at the end of Disc 1. We'll be at the end of Disc 1 at the end of this coming week, and I'm thinking maybe I'll take some of the people on Discord uh, that want to talk about it, and we'll do very short, like, 20-minute episodes on what we thought of the, the the previous disc or the previous major thing that happened in it, because for some of these people, it's their first playthrough. For some of them, they, they, they're trying to prove to me that I'm wrong. Uh, and then I'm trying to see, you know, maybe this will be the time I fall in love with the game that I, that I still don't I, care I, for much. I I cannot. Those people were nice enough to come on our Discord <laughs> and talk to us. And they're all really good people. And I can't believe you've roped those poor people into playing fucking Final Fantasy VIII. Hey, I'm going to be I'm going to be honest. It wasn't completely my idea. This came uh, to us because of Mentheon, who's our, actually one of our well, original Patreons. Well, that's 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 Mentheon, Mentheon of Young Merlin fame. Yeah, correct. That, te- that, te- that tells you all you need to know. I did not know is there this. Is I... there a hefty minecart area on Final Fantasy VIII? <laughs> I think he's just an enabler at this point. He knows. He knows that yeah, what, he knows. the struggles that Jeremy P. has with, with Final Fantasy VIII. And it struggles because he has them. We all have to endure them as well. Because I swear to God, it's like once every year. It's it's yep. this happens every year. Yes, and it's a really yes. bad three weeks. And I, <laughs> yeah. But, not, but yeah, yeah, he he's miserable to deal with. But I would I would like to send a special special little hello to 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 old Mentheon, who I believe is our original super fan. Yes, I think he had been the first guy to get in touch with us. I, just a lot of firsts that came from him. 
So here on 150 episodes, a, a sincere, a sincere thank you to everybody, obviously. Uh, but but a little bit, little bit, a little bit more of a special one. Tolmentheon, who who has stuck with us, man, probably longer than most of us have been able to keep significant others around. Five years, <laughs> holy shit. Yeah, he's he's uh, he sent me a bunch of Swedish candy, and that was really awesome. Mm. Uh, it was it was really good. So yeah, thanks, Mithian, for for sticking around. Thanks to everybody for sticking around. And listening yeah, to this, yeah. This thing that we do. Um, God, if I had to go back, uh, obviously the first episode is a complete embarrassment. Um, the <laughs> it was so bad, so fucking bad all over the place. Um, there's uh, the uh, the very first Mario Maker episode. I would just strike that from the record. Uh, that was I, I we hadn't didn't know what we were doing yet. Game. I well, that was that was bad. I couldn't even. I, was, I don't know. It was just bad. It was bad all around. Um, I would love to do another general chaos, uh, just because you know I think it's time that you all decided that you actually like. You know, if Jeremy P can play Final Fantasy VIII for goddamn twenty years <laughs> and have to ask himself every year, like, do I really like this? I think you could play a game of the quality of General Chaos. That is a, a much better game, and ask yourself that question in, you know, instead of Final Fantasy VIII. So, at some point, people's going to come around to it. I swear to you, they will. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, maybe, uh, maybe down the road, we'll, we'll see what we can do. But thank you for the yeah, question, that's... Mark. Wait, what? What? Oh no! Oh nothing! I, I you know, I was gonna. You gonna I was make gonna a talk snide comment? Ca- I was going to talk. Yeah, actually, it was, but we'll uh, we'll save that for the general chaos. Uh, we'll save, we'll save that, that for, for the our, remake show. Yep, our revisits. <laughs> the, the general chaos reunion episode. Yeah, the remaster. <laughs> remaster. Which that game, God forbid, it ever gets one. That one needs a remaster. That'd be good. That'd be a good one. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you, Mark, for writing in. Uh, we've obviously got. We we could redo this entire podcast because we have nothing else to do with our time, um, or every episode of this podcast. Anyway, next question comes in from Mario's missing red overalls, and he wants to know about legacy content. Salutations, Retrovaniacs! I wanted to mm-hmm. talk about retro games. The retro gaming segment seems to be a rather large slice of of the gaming market as a whole. Their their entire stores, conventions, YouTube channels, and podcasts like this one dedicated solely to retro gaming, and by all accounts, seem to be doing big business, unlike this one. Heck, at least half of all the indie games these days seem to be throwbacks to retro-style games. The point is, there seems to be some real, real profit to be made in supplying this type of content. So why is it that the big companies like Nintendo and Sony make it so difficult, and in some cases seem so unwilling to provide access to the, these classic games from their respective retro libraries? This doesn't seem like it it should be that difficult or resource-intensive to do so, and the general sentiment online seems to be that most people would be more than happy to pay if they could just have access to a lot of these old games. So what gives? We know these big companies love money more than anything else, and this seems like such a layup for for some easy money and, quite frankly, good PR. Do you guys agree, or am I overestimating the value in retro gaming? Thanks for everything. No, I mean, I think I think our um, our discussion from the beginning kind of kind of puts us in that same camp. I, I, I do. And, you know, I, I don't pretend to know the ins and outs of why a certain game can't make it on there. Like we discussed with Goldeneye, why that one 
most likely will not be appearing on there. And, and I'm sure that's the case for a lot of games. Um, I, I'm sure when you get into uh, games that, you know, have multiple licenses or are based off a of property, it gets dodgy. Um, but no, there, there's, it, it's still, it's bewildering to me. Um, just kind of, ha- yeah, how inaccessible they make these. And, and, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a sad thing nowadays and you know i'm kind of used to it because i grew up with with you know physical media and if if you didn't have a cartridge on your nintendo you didn't get to play that game as the years went on you 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 still didn't get to unless you could find it um but you know it just seems in this day and age it's sad that a game can go without being out there for a new audience to discover it or an old audience to to come back and 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 play it again because it just it seems so easy that the means are out there and, you know, and, and the money's out there for these companies to, to, to do whatever the fuck they want. And yeah, I, I'm left a lot of times wondering, you know, I, I, I can understand why certain games there's, there's, it's, it's maybe too big a mess to bother getting rights together to put it back out there. But for so many, it is, it, it's, it's a little baffling and it is frustrating um, that you know, they can just not be available to you. And and the means seem so easy. Well, there's there's situations like we you know we just did Silent Hill for our last episode, and yeah, for the Silent Hill remakes for two and three, they lost some of the original source code. I mean, they, like yeah. some of it's just going to yeah. be that that at some point someone thought who would ever want to play this again in the future, or why we already printed two billion copies of this, why would you need to keep this, and and it's gone, or or mm-hmm. you know situations like Goldeneye where the rights to that property are not as easy to obtain as you'd think it would be, or sometimes it's mm-hmm. voice actors or likenesses of, of real people that they have to get permission every time they re-put things out to give them uh, benefits of, I mean, th- th- it's not all games like that, but some of them definitely do, uh, that's why, um, for example, the Silent Hill three remake has different voices than uh than the original release because they couldn't get the original voice actors and then eventually they did get some of them but not all of them so it's like there's a lot to some of these more i don't want to say more recent retro games but the more recent retro mm-hmm. games that i can see why that's a problem uh i think there are some companies that make it impossible and then there are some companies like capcom and konami that seem to be like yeah well we know what you want you want all six of the original Mega Man games here you go on every possible format you'd want and it's 20 bucks so some of these companies yeah. get that there are some of their properties that are kind of timeless, or at least there's a market for it. Uh, you know, for them, minimal effort on their part, put it out, you're good to go. You know, sometimes they add extra things, like for the Mega Man's, they added these challenges in. So if you really like Mega Man, you can go back into each section and like, how fast can you get through these seven bosses or whatever? Like it's an yeah, actual yeah. timed event. It it's really neat to add that stuff in. But yeah, Nintendo especially makes it very difficult sometimes to to find and play. You know, if you want to play. Um, even Majora's Mask. Yes, they put out a 3DS version, but until then, there was no way to play it on anything other than <laughs> having an N64 and happening to still have that like um, that booster pack or whatever they made for it later because you can't play it without that. Oh, yeah. And then and and have to play on the original system. Like there's a lot of games that that they make very difficult to play uh, until they find ways to monetize it, like they have for this uh, this expansion pack for the Switch. So. I don't know if there's truly as much money in it as you're stating. Um, whoever it was that wrote this question in. I, I think there is a market for it, and guys like us are way into that that scene, kind of. But, you know, if they said, hey, like we complained about at the beginning, they said, here's some N64 games. Oh, it's 50 bucks, so it's really only $30 you're paying now. And everyone's like, no, no, that's too much money. I'm not paying that. Meanwhile, they put out, you know, a new Metroid game, which is admittedly wonderful. We all paid 60 bucks without even thinking about it. It was like, yeah, sure, not a problem. Oh, yeah. 60 bucks. Oh, yeah. But, you know, we're coming on here telling you that 
Super Metroid's amazing. If they said Super Metroid's 20 bucks, I don't know if I'd rush out to buy it again. I, I have it on so right. many formats, I don't have to. But, like, I, I don't know if there's as much money in the retro market mm. as as you would think compared to um, not all major release games, because some of them don't do well and have a huge budget. But some, you know, they strike gold and they make sell millions of copies. And I don't think you're going to do that with a lot of these retro titles. That's exactly right. I think a lot of people probably overestimate just the the value that us retro gamers have on on the market. I mean, we are very niche uh, consumer. You know, there's only so much of us out there. And, you know, the, you've got those people out there that's just like, oh, you know, I remember Zelda. I'll buy a hat with a Triforce on it. You know, that's you get that. But, you know, once you start having to put more money into things like actually having a, a a developer remake a game and put it on a modern system you have to ask yourself okay this is cool but how much money are we going to put into this and how much do we think we're going to get out of it and usually almost always unless it's a really big game you know we're getting knights of the old republic being remade on ps5 mm-hmm. that's a big deal um but like these older games like it's going to be a it has to be something super simple like, I, I don't know if you guys even noticed that uh, Zombies Ate My Neighbors and that other, the, the yes. sequel, uh, had a, a release, you know, not too long. I didn't even know it was out. I didn't even know it existed. I was just browsing through games. I was like, holy shit, they put Zombies Ate My Neighbors out on modern consoles. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a favorite of ours. Yeah, it's I, I bought it. But, I mean, how many people do you think actually bought that thing? I looked at the, uh, you know, there's on Xbox, you can see how many people rated it. It had one review. <laughs> so, it's, it's, there's just not too many people that that are in this market that spend money on it, and that makes it worth these developers. Unless it's a it makes it worth for these developers to actually make it. You know, unless you're yeah. Mega Man's or Resident Evils or, or big stuff like well, that. Yeah, it's just not. It doesn't make sense. And and I, and I think another aspect, and I know this goes this goes for me to an extent is that people really into the, the retro gaming market, they, they want that original, yes, that original form. Um, and I know that happens with me a lot. If you, if I had the Nintendo 64 hooked up, which, which I do, cause we just did this and, and I found a 64 game I had been wanting to play and I had the choice between it. Um, and, but I had the choice between that and I could pick it up digital on the Xbox, even a little bit cheaper. I go for the cart. Um, I, I think they're, not only is the attachment to the games itself, but it's it's maybe sometimes to the 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 actual form of media. Um, you know, you still have your fucking diehard avid VHS collectors out there. Uh, so I, I think that might be it to an extent too. Um, you know, kind of upon thinking about it as we talk, is that just thinking for myself, um, it, I, I would love to have the game in its original original form and i and i think most enthusiasts um might also i i mean i obviously i can't speak for all but I, i'm just saying that might be a a mindset um sort at play there kind of why a game like that zombies ate my neighbors um you know as great a game as it is um you know people that played it back then uh they might still have their cart sitting around uh if they're a big enough enthusiast they they might still have a you know a super net super nes hooked up deal um and that might be their preferred way of playing it with that controller on that system you know maybe on an old tv a lot of times it's about recreating 
kind of you know the 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 setup. Also, I mean, and and we've kind of talked about it too that those older systems don't look as good at all on modern televisions. And yeah, yeah, you yeah. have a CRT set up, which I, I do have one here that I use for when I'm streaming yes. stuff on the N64. I mean, like, some of these games look hideous when you put them on an HDTV, and the, and the, the latency is slightly different, and it's, just, it's, not, it's not the same experience. It's good. It's not terrible. But if you have the option of playing it in the original format on the original television with the actual N64 controller, for example, in this case, that's the way to do it for this market. I think that's the that's a big part of it, is you can re-release GoldenEye, but if you're not going to come out with the right controller and all the other stuff, then a bunch of people aren't even going to give it a shot. And you've also got the audience that will just make something like a RetroPie or whatever, or sideload games on their NES or Super mm-hmm. NES Classic and be totally fine with that. So it's it's an iffy market to base your income on. I'll say that much. So I, I think we kind of missed that whole retro thing fad that, that hit a, a few years ago with the NES classic. And, and that's kind of, you know, it's still around, but you know, it's, it's not as hard as it, it's not going as hard as it was. Well, back one then. thing, one thing I can tell you for sure, unless, um, unless somebody's cooking the books, uh, retro gaming podcasting is not, uh, most profitable venture in the world. <laughs> hey, I will say we do pretty damn good for what we, we do, do. Pretty damn good. We're self sufficient, and and it's it's a great audience, and really, it's it's uh, they they've been for us a real joy. Uh, I I always love when we get somebody that wants to talk. You know, just just old games, and and it's, it's awesome. You know, because different people had different experiences growing up, and you know, depending on region, and you know, and all that you played shit that I never played. And it's great to kind of have an exchange about that. Yeah. So, uh, thanks a lot for writing in, uh, Mario's missing red overalls. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's neat to think about. There's, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff moving around with retro gaming and mm-hmm. it, it's a fickle audience. So anyway, next question comes in from spider Rico. You guys remember spider Rico, I, I, right? I remember the name. I think yeah. I do remember spider. Rico. Yeah. He wants to know why jokes. Why jokes? Why do you think it joke that I want to be podcast man? Again, I think I'd be very greatly. I forget tell. I also know much about game North-South. You can win as confectionate army and make slavery... You can make slavery slavery legalized. That's not very politically correct. Strange for NES game. Also, High Gun, where you fly a jet and have to land on a boat. This game bad... But I played. Even I play Willow, the diminutive wizard. <laughs> oh, Probably can't. That's not good. Put that in. <laughs> he had weird shape for head. Also, an Ewok. Many more game two. And if not, play I will lie and make him seem like I play. Last, I'm worried about men who write about spicy butt. He never write back. Maybe he dead. I know of these things. Not good to eat from butts. Can make sick. But not dinner. Please remember my request about job. I have pictures of me with bird that I can show you. Very hilarious, Spider Rico. I told him. I said, "Come on." I, I you know, I, 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 I think I offered to give up my spot last time, or I think maybe I sacrificed one of your spots. Yeah, it was my spot. Um, <laughs> oh, was it yours? Okay. Um, I, I'm still fairly certain this is not a real question. Uh, or a real person, but if it is, uh, just start your own podcast, because based on these letters, I would love to listen to it, uh, and see what you got going on, and see pictures of you with a bird, but, um, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're a good three-piece, I think, uh, I don't think we're looking for additional permanent members, but thank you again for the interest, Spider Rico. 
And our next question comes in from Bleeder, and he wants to say that Dreamcast is the greatest of all time. Hey now. It's awesome to see you guys doing more Dreamcast titles. It was one of my favorite consoles, and I was heartbroken when they stopped supporting it. Anyway, if you want to play one of those rare games that no one's heard about but is actually really good, try Toy Commander on the Dreamcast. Anytime I get my Dreamcast out to play with people, we always end up playing it for hours. Well, that or Power Stone. Oh, oh, oh. yeah, Power Stone's a must. Um, I'm not I'm not familiar with that one. I definitely have to look it up. Uh, I am... God, I think we've all had a kind word to say about the Dreamcast on here. Um, just absolutely love that system. And, you know, I, I've spoke about, you know, I, 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 man, I pulled that jig at the flea market and got half my library there. Um, but, but it was hard to come by Dreamcast games. So I was kind of, I had a Dreamcast from launch, uh, but really didn't get my, my collection together until much later. Um, but I just, I've absolutely loved it. I was, was also very sad to see that, that Dreamcast kind of come and go so quickly because it was it was wonderful and you know it, it had a shitty wrestling game though it should be said that that royal rumble uh yeah don't do it i love toy commander i'm very excited that somebody mentioned it and in fact it's one of those games that i always think about maybe we should do that around christmas even though it has nothing to do with christmas because it's about toys uh billy mm-hmm. it's very much like uh it's not like pilot wings, but it's that kind of flight system, more or less. Okay. And, and it's okay. uh it's you know, you're doing these these war game missions based around like a kid's room, but it's not mm-hmm. it's not like Army Men and that it's all action. It's instead it's more of a of a flight flight sim kind of game with some other vehicles too. I I thought it was super fun. I really like Toy Commander. Uh it just looks yeah. like the most generic game on earth from the box. So I I know why a lot of people didn't give it a shot, also because it was, you know, on a system that that I loved. I, I worked the, the Dreamcast is the last system launch I was there for at Electronics Boutique. I bought it, mm. you know, the first night. I was already fully in. And literally the next weekend, we got directions from corporate to like, hey, you should really push the PlayStation 2. It's coming out. And you can push the Dreamcast oh. to the far back corner of the store. Oh. I'm like, and I, and I, that's not why I quit. I quit because it turns out it doesn't pay any money. Uh, but but it, <laughs> He it was so help. fucking passionate about the Sega Dreamcast and quit his job. No, but that was that was when I stopped pre-selling stuff. I know they were you know, they require you to pre-sell so many things and they, you know, you get pinged on it or, or written up or whatever. And I was just like, I'm not pre-selling this thing. I, I pushed for the last six months this Dreamcast and literally the next weekend you guys are like, all right, well, stop that thing. If anyone comes in, tell them they don't want that thing. Here's another better thing. I'm like, nah, I can't do mm. it. I love this system and you guys are crazy. Uh, but yeah, no, Toy Commander, great. Uh, it's, it's definitely worth checking out. And, and I'd love to cover it at some point, although I just gave my hand on my thoughts on it. I'm super happy that one of you has played Toy Commander because I loved it. I absolutely loved it when I grabbed it. Uh, and I've, I think I've made you know, how much I love the Dreamcast known over the course of 150 mm-hmm. episodes. I, you know, b- blew my whole bank account to, to get a uh, import Dreamcast when that er- originally came out. And that was one of those systems, like whenever I saw that uh, Virtual Fighter 3TB or whatever the hell it was called, first time running on that, that was something that just made me say, holy shit. Because I had never seen anything like that on a home console. Mm-hmm. And any, I was hooked from that point on. Anything Dreamcast from there on out was, was something that I would, I would go out of my way to grab. And for the most part, mm-hmm. I was never disappointed. I was never disappointed. Uh, but yeah, we love the Dreamcast and we would absolutely love to cover more Dreamcast games on here. I'm mm-hmm. trying to push secretly to, to do more modern games from like, you know, the, the, consoles that we opened up over the past couple of years like the mm-hmm. the ps2 and xbox and dreamcast 
And I, you know, that stuff's fun to me. But yeah, it's it's hard to get past these old curmudgeons because uh, they they want to play their old Game Boy games. And it's, That's right. It's, it's Damn rough it. sometimes. To be fair, we we have done more PS2. The last two episodes were. We did. We we but... have been. We've been doing more, and we've actually got a um, an Xbox game here coming up pretty soon. So uh, keep your eyes out for that one. It's not a Dreamcast game, but I promise we'll do more Dreamcast games because, God damn it, this podcast deserves more Dreamcast games. So thank yeah. you, Bleeder, for writing in. Jeremy's pushing forward. I'm pushing for more 2600 games. So it works out. It's going to balance out. <laughs> yes. mm. It's, you know, it's... Boy. It's rough sometimes here. Um, anyway, our next question comes in from Ben, and he wants to know about video game rumors. In grade school, I heard rumors about a nude code in Mortal in the Mortal Kombat games, and no one seemed to know how to do it, but people would always say they saw it or that their cousins saw it. Clearly, hmm. it was bullshit, but what's the deal with that? Or how about the rumor that Marilyn Manson got his rib removed? How the hell did we all hear that stuff back in the day before the internet? I can answer that one because us fucking kids are dumb as hell. We didn't know any yeah. better. We just wanted yeah. to say some stupid shit and make people believe oh, it. Oh, yeah. Well, it was like Tomb Raider. I mean, I, it, oh yeah, there's a, there's these codes you can put where Laura's nude. You're like, oh man, that's gonna be awesome. And yeah, that ended up happening later with PC mods, but like not not at the time. But yeah, everybody was swore it was. Oh yeah, that that's in the game. I found it. I've seen it. Yeah, I mean, you know, it it, it got passed down from that uncle that worked for Nintendo. Yeah, you know, that that every fucking kid had. But I, it's, I, I, I don't know. I, do kids still do that? I, is that still a thing? Or can, I guess you could fact check that shit pretty quick, though. But I mean, you have to imagine nowadays you have access to absolutely, you know, any any knowledge you want. Of course, most of us just use it for awful things. But the Internet's there. You know, it, it can make you smarter if, if you wanted it to. Um, you know, most of the general public does not. Um but no, I just you know you could you could just say shit back then for for attention and fucking you know to to, to have your your I guess fucking your fifteen minutes of middle school fame and while you conveniently couldn't prove it, you you operated off the fact that nobody could disprove it, and and I think that's I think that's what a lot of it was. Kids still do that. My kids do it all the time. They they. The things they, they make up or hear are, are ridiculous, but like their thing now is like, oh, I'm playing this game. This guy's a professional YouTuber. He's huge. He has 10 million list followers or whatever. You're like, I don't think that a guy you're playing with on Roblox has 10 million followers and you're playing with him. You know, he's just asking you to give him Robux. Like, <laughs> like they, they buy whatever anyone says. They don't research it online. They just make stuff up. So yeah, I'm sure kids still do that today. Um, with or without the internet, because no one checks anything anymore. In fact, it's easy on the internet to just make a web page that says uh, anything you want it to say. So you can you can find ways to make kids believe whatever it is you want them to say. That came out really wrong, but you know what I meant. As long as kids are dumb as hell, you can make them believe whatever the hell you want. And I that's I I specifically remember the Mortal Kombat code back in the day. I you know you do a code and for a fatality, uh, Sonya pulls up her shirt. You know, nudality, whatever. And I, there's a lot of rumors like that that just went around the, the playground or recess or lunch or whatever like that. But we couldn't fact check them. These kids can fact check. They can go wherever and look and make sure that this stuff is true or not, but they don't. So I, it's, it's their own damn fault. We, we couldn't, you know, we couldn't do that. So it wasn't my fault that I went to the arcade and spent $15 and quarters to try and suck, <laughs> fucking get Sony tits. So, uh, you know. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. 
but yeah, I think it just, it boils down to most people just, you know, we were gullible kids. And, you know, if you, mm-hmm. if some kid could make up a, a believable story, you'd probably, you know, it makes sense. Made sense. Uh, but thank you, Ben, for writing in and making me remember that horrible memory. And I think this is going to be our last question because I'm slowly losing consciousness. Uh, and so we're going to go with Brian Dennehy's magical back fat as our last <laughs> mm. question. Um, mm. Wow. Yeah, that's yes. And it, what's, what's on his mind is forced to give up one. Okay, so say you have one console you absolutely must get rid of forever and never play again. Which one is it and why? Your choices are the NES, Super NES, or any PlayStation or PC. Also, does anyone else miss the spicy chicken crunch wrapped supreme from Taco Bell? Or is yeah! It just, is it just me? No, it's apparently not just you. I'll be anxiously <laughs> awaiting your answers. I, uh, the PS1 would go. Um, yeah, I mean, easily, I, I'm glad, you know, he, he admitted some consoles from there, I guess, to make the choice harder. Um, I mean, NES, Super Nintendo, or any PlayStation, is that, is that what we have to work with? I guess you can't just say Jaguar this way. That's fair. That's a fair question. Yeah, that, that is fair. I, it would have to be the PS1. Cause I mean, while it has, it has, uh, the NES and the and Super Nintendo are bulletproof, right? I, for sure. Um, God, now the play, when we get into PlayStation consoles, uh, I, I, the, the podcast itself has proven that, that I, I don't think any game holds up worse than a PS one game. And that's not to say it didn't have good games because it had some excellent titles on it, but that PS two was so fucking stacked and ended up with such a, a an incredible library to it. Uh, there's no way. And, you know, the PlayStation just continued to fucking, if we're talking retro PlayStations, um, you know, just, just continue to get better um, and just continue to put out it's fucking top-notch stuff. Uh, so I, it would reluctantly, it would be with the, with a twinge of sadness would be the PlayStation 1. Yeah, I don't know how far back we're going for retro. For, if we're going further than PlayStation 2, I could get rid of my PS3 and not blink. Well, I, I didn't know if we were going that far, but yeah, the three could go if 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 we're going that far. Um, because because literally the games that I would care about, I can find. In fact, my PS3 is essentially just a PlayStation One emulator at this point <laughs> that I still keep up. Uh, there's enough good games on PlayStation One. I I it'd be hard for me to get rid of, but I couldn't in any way drop the NES. Like that's that's not going to happen. No. I, I I might go. I might even though it was a step above and it has a solid library. I, I would. If I had to drop one, it would probably be my PS2 uh, over PS1. Mm. But but it, it's a it's a fine line. But you but, uh, you 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 could never play the bouncer again. Oh man, you're right. That's one of my hits. I mean, there's there's plenty. Like I couldn't play the you know. Um... Hey, that's that is one of my hits. So watch yourself. There's enough games that were on the the PS2 that I I really would hate to lose, but. But there are some amazing PlayStation One games that have not been done. Even the ones that are that play really poorly now, but have a good memory, which is a lot of the ones we've covered for this show. I, I still can't imagine not not being able to play them. Where some of the mm. PS Two stuff, and maybe it's just my age compared to my age when I played PlayStation One. I I could take or lose the two and not feel too too bad. Um, I'm sure I would regret it after I did it, but I would I would probably pull the, the trigger on that one. But I couldn't imagine NES or Super Nintendo. Uh, I mean, honestly, if I get rid of all the rest of my retro games. And I'm 
75 years old or whatever, I'll have those two. I'll still, I'll still have those two systems uh, in my sad cave I live in at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would just throw the NES right out the window. I oh, just, whoa. Uh, for real? I know. Oh, yeah, I wow. would. I would. I would keep the Super NES. That's my favorite console of all time. Wow. I would keep the uh, the PlayStation One. Uh, no, this, no question this feels, about it. This, this is I, I dare say, um, this is a harder blow than anything I've said about Pac Man in the past. I, you know, I just I, I love the NES, but I love the Super NES and I love the PlayStation more. If we're going any PlayStation, then I would throw the PS3 out the window as well. Right. right. But uh, you know, as far as like PlayStation One and Two, those are those are too high on the nostalgia factor. There's only, there, I mean, I love the NES, but goddamn, there's not that many fucking games on the NES that I really care to play anymore. Oh man, but the um, Goonies Two isn't available on anything else. I mean, that's really I the key. Know. God damn it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, PC. He did. It, he did include PC. I didn't. I'm not counting that because I didn't play PC as a kid, so I don't really have any real nostalgia for that. But if we're just going consoles, yeah, I would. I would throw the NES out and keep the rest. Um, Incredible. The things um, you find out about people. It took 150 I know, I'm episodes and 50 plus bonus shows to get to that admission, that, that <laughs> yeah. shocking admission. You know, I said that was the last question. I'm, I have one more that I want to throw okay. out here. And this is... I think, I think we've got some questions for you after this reveal. <laughs> well, we can save that for the, 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 uh, the secret episode that we do for the patrons. Um, mm. Where you just question me for half an hour about <laughs> weird shit that I've said over the years on the podcast. Uh, but this one comes from Ballsacker. I don't know if you guys remember Ballsacker, but he's the guy that said Jeremy is basically a, a chud-like being that is roaming the earth and is too ugly to actually show himself to anybody. Um, he's, he's he wants to write in to say that he's sorry. Oh well, that's no. Nice. Oh, let's let's see what kind of sorry this is. Let's go. <laughs> let's go ahead. <laughs> I knew it was as, I knew it was wrong as soon as I said it, so I want to apologize for saying that I wish I never knew what Jeremy P looked like. I meant to say that Jeremy P has such a fantastic voice, so soothing that I imagined a handsome Lothario. Anyway, Jer- anyway, sorry, this this, this, uh, this isn't going well. <laughs> it's it's slightly anyway. better than last time, but not not by much. It's, I mean, we're we're getting there. Anyway, sorry, JP. You and the team have the best podcast on the interwebs. Now get oh. off your lazy duffs and play Fester's Quest already. Hell no. I tried playing I, Fester's a... Quest on Twitch. It's not. It's it's pretty hard to get to. I think I think that's a good apology. I think I think both me and Billy would probably say that we would. You know, we find you attractive. And, and yeah, I, hell, I I don't hang out with people that are fucking ugly. All right, I can't. <laughs> you know, it's just... I I've got it. We we've got a reputation. We have standards, right? We've got standards. And... We've got a high bar. I don't believe this is a real yeah. letter. I think you guys wrote this because I was so upset last time that you've just made a I, fake no, letter up. <laughs> no, it's I. He, he wrote it. Uh, you know, I'm just. Saying. I, I think if we if we had wrote it and we were trying to make you feel better, we would made it. We would have not put that dig in there. That, that, that was. <laughs> I mean, we have done... Me, I'm sorry I said you're ugly. I just assumed you were good looking, <laughs> basically. Yeah. I, we, me and Billy have done enough fan fiction in the past involving Jeremy P. So it's, oh, you know, we... Erotic. Yeah, yes, erotic, yes. Uh, and we have, you know, that's... Uh, Jeremy P is attractive enough. I've seen him in person. He's not a monster. That's and, true. And I think we would... <laughs> that is true. We would go as that... far as... To, we would probably date him. If, you know, it's... 
I'm, I'm speaking for both me and Billy, so that's mm. just... I do have I a great collection of NES games, so that is true. I mean, I would dig Yeah, it. yeah. So, yeah. You got uh, to get in for the NES collection. <laughs> I got to get way in for the NES collection. Ooh. Uh, boy, oh anyway, boy. thank you, Paul Sacker. This is, this is, that is our last question. I'm, I'm, show. <laughs> I think I'm calling it a show on that. <laughs> I have to go take a shower, so that... <laughs> oh. oh, we all do. Goddamn. Um, thank you, Paul Sacker, for writing in and making Jeremy P. feel better. Um, but yeah, anybody else, I, you know, I feel better about myself now. I don't know about Jeremy P. He's still playing Final Fantasy VIII, so he can't feel too well about himself. Hey, so. He can't feel too damn good. He you know. drug a bunch of fucking innocent people down with him. That's true. Poor Discord. And tried to put it, and tried to put it on our damn super fan. Tried to pass the blame, too. <laughs> well, if this goes would... well, if we get enough people to ride this thing out to the end, or, or at least close enough to it, we'll try it with other games that may not be as divisive as Final Fantasy VIII oh going God. forward on our Discord. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested at all in that, you can always go check out our Discord, the, always in the description of the show. Uh, and again, you go to retrovania.net where you'll find links to that Discord, plus all of our social media, plus this question form, where we get all the mm-hmm. questions we answer on the show that we have today. And we'll be back with another episode next time that I believe, maybe the one that Jeremy hinted at, is an Xbox title. You'll have to turn in next time to 151 to find out. See you then.